0: This podcast is brought to you in part by our partner, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is a free app that allows the user and creator to record and edit their podcast right there from your phone or computer. It also allows you to distribute your podcast across the globe to everyone that wants to listen to it on different distribution networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other networks. It has all all your needs and tools all in one-stop shop. So go ahead, please. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm the one, the only Yankee Cowboy. Today is a very awesome day because I waited a week after the Kamala Harris reveal of the vice presidential pick for the Democratic National Committee in the party. Just, I had to wait because I had to watch three long, boring, Actually, excuse me, four long, boring days of doom and gloom, orange man bad hysteria for the last four days. The Democratic National Committee had, Convention had opportunity, all the opportunity in the world for the last four days to describe their vision, their progress that they wish to assume to the country of the United States of America. And you know what they did? They dragged out every dirty... Every dirty hit job known to mankind against the president of the United States, because that's all they have—is personality, character, and a lot of fake news, a lot of fake attacks. We saw time and time again with these politicians that came out across the platform, which honestly it felt like a very really drawn-out tele-news conference. With uh, you know, it was just a—the production value of the DNC this year was not. Anywhere close to the the production value of the old, you can sit there and blame COVID all you want to. However, ladies and gentlemen, it comes to a time where you have to take ownership of the situation you got yourself into. You, the party, the Democratic National Party, picked a... They were the first ones to say that they were going digital, by the way. If you remember correctly, the President of the United States said he was trying to move his convention to Jacksonville, Florida, to do the speech or the nomination, the renomination speech. That's what he wanted to do, to go to Jacksonville, Florida, because Florida was obviously in favor of reopening and having crowds and having audiences of this kind of statue, of that kind of speech. Obviously, with the COVID prices and how it evolved over time between Memorial Day until the 4th of July weekend, the President of the United States made a decision to obviously follow suit with the DNC and do a digital convention. What you saw this week, ladies and gentlemen, was every hack job known to humanity come out for the DNC. Every hack job. Doom and gloom Cuomo, who should even be given a, a second, a second of airtime due to what he has done to the great state of New York. He should. He should not. But he is. It's a travesty amongst all things holy in this great country that doom and gloom Cuomo and his sidekick Fredo brother still to this day get more airtime. What Andrew Cuomo has done in the state of New York is criminal. There's no question about that. You can sit there and try to say it's double talk. He can sit there and try to deny. But it is what it is. And that's right. I'm stealing the Michelle Obama line on that one. It is what it is. And that's murder. You dragged out Gavin Newsom from California. Who unfortunately has a whole other problem amongst his own problems right now. He's got wildfires. (laughs) He's got a rolling blackout. And when you had the situation here, ladies and gentlemen, you technically, in the rules of the convention, every person that won delegates was supposed to be invited to speak in some way, shape, or form. There was one person who was not. And it's sad to see that. It really, truly is. Her name is Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. She did win delegates in her role for the role of the, the, obviously, the the nominee for the presidency of the United States. In her pursuit of that job, she did win delegates. But she she was not invited by the DNC to speak or to present. But yet, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez... Was given one minute, and in that one minute, she took something that, in my opinion, was just a very easy one-minute speech, and basically did a little pimp-pimp slap to Joe Biden. You didn't have to second a nomination in your one-minute speech, Alexandria. You didn't have to do that. could have gave it to some—hell, you could have gave it to anybody, really. But they gave it to you for that one minute, knowing that you were going to do that. That's why they gave you one minute. Giving you one minute wasn't a slap in the face to the millions of people that supported Bernie Sanders. You deserved your role in that situation. The Democratic National Convention was probably one of the most irresponsible use of airtime I've ever seen amongst four different news networks. Irresponsible. Where was the questioning of Joe Biden's policy throughout this time? Where was the questioning of Joe Biden, the candidate? You didn't see that, did you? You didn't see Joe Biden answer any questions from the media. Until this day, he has yet to take any questions. The hard questions, the ones that actually count to the American people. Not the, not the administrative ones. No, the real questions from the American people. You say you want to build better? How are you going to do that, Joe? How are you going to do that, buddy? Please. You have done nothing for this country for 47 years. You're all talk and no action. That is what you are, Joe Biden, as a candidate. You're hiding Joe Biden, you're prick quote pro Joe, which, by the way, I'm going to get into in a second here because it honestly needs to be discussed. It is a travesty amongst measure that this man is actually carrying himself to the nomination and the acceptance of said nomination of the presidency of the United States when the man is not cognitively there. He's just not. Yes, any man like you saw on Thursday night can read a teleprompter speech, which by the way, bravo to whoever wrote that speech, by the way, because that's all the credit I'm going to give to that speech. The speechwriter deserves a lot of credit. He really did. Did an amazing job using poetry and imagery and very nice uses of things like that of the light and darkness. But when you look at it, what I want to talk down to here is Tulsi Gabbard, for example, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii, wasn't invited to the Democratic National Convention to speak, even though she was a winner of delegates. You know, reason why she wasn't really, in my personal opinion, the reason why she wasn't, you know, invited, was because she did the most, I would say, savage takedown of Kamala Harris in that it's a debate, right, Kamala? It's a debate, but yet you got destroyed on your record as an attorney general in that debate. 15 million people were arrested for felonies with marijuana when you were the attorney general of California plenty of nuances of times and much, much, much evidence across the board of what you've done to people in your time as Attorney General in California. You have no record to stand on when it comes to being hard on law and order. You're prosecutor in chief, you're a joke. Because in the same instance that you prosecuted people for possession charges of marijuana, you joked about have smoking weed with Snoop Dogg. Which wasn't even factually true, let's be real here. Because if that was the case, you'd be smoking weed when you're like, I don't know, a teenager. So but let's let's get it, let's get it right on the timeline on which you talked about this, okay? The DNC had an opportunity to really convey to the independent voter where and how in which you want to make the country a better place. The presidency of the United States isn't like running for Congress where you can just talk about what you want to pass for legislation. What we saw this week was seriously the politicalization of personal tragedy in a manner that is the most disgusting and vile manner I've ever seen. It really is truly disgusting. Joe Biden politicized his loss of his wife and his child for political gain on Thursday night. And it's disgusting. It should never have been done. Joe Biden talked about three fundamental things in his speech on Thursday night. And I'm going to backtrack along the way here. He talked about character, the soul of America. He talked about many different things that he wants to take into consideration for the role of the presidency of the United States. The first one I'm going to discuss – actually, he also brought up the COVID-19 situation, which if you saw the Democratic National Convention, which I don't mean to get scrambled brain here, but you can tell that between the attack savagery or the hack job attacks that they were going against the president of the United States, or better known as I like to call the the orange man bad narrative, you don't see a communication across the board to where – they will differ in governance. You don't see it. It's abundantly clear how this man can't put a sentence together unless it's written for him on a teleprompter, can't ad hoc a policy initiative that he wants to put out there to to go out on the limb and do a policy initiative. His policy initiative that he mentioned in his speech and on the stump, or I guess you could say digital stump, was talking about make build better. Build better, and 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 talking about the economy. He's reversing every single thing known to capitalism in this country. He talks about raising your taxes by four point five trillion dollars in new tax revenue. We're going through a pandemic, the world, ladies and gentlemen, the likes the world has never seen before. And it's a very scary time. There's no question about that. However, raising your taxes in an economy that is in an election year, ladies and gentlemen, is sluggish at best. Every time a presidential election year comes around the corner, you see the markets every four years do the same exact thing. The angst and the anxiety level is there. Private sector knows that this election can change the course of. Of the economy and the human history as we know it because the policies in which that George, joe biden want to put into place will change everything everything one thing was abundantly clear that they did not discuss during the dnc which was really troubling to me is the riots and violence across the country in democratic run cities it's scary that a party can call out certain things but can't acknowledge human events in american history it's scary it's daunting also whatever realism or whatever world that these liberals live in when it comes to what actually happened and comparatively what really is the facts and what they perceive to be the facts is also very scary. Trump derangement syndrome is live and well in this country, ladies and gentlemen. There's no doubt about that. So we're going to talk now. We're going to go into a little bit here of the the speech itself. Oh, kid got us go. Kid got abundant uh, abducted. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go into the speech now. We talk about he talked about COVID-19. The first thing he talked about. And the, the events that Joe Biden was discussing that he would do differently that the presidency of the United States is already doing now, Donald Trump is already doing those same things. He does bing, listen. Bing, bing, bing. He does listen to said officials and, say, and scientific and, and scientists of all of all and officials across all boundaries and all different parts of the world. He was the one that remembered ladies and gentlemen did the travel ban to china and then less than a week later joe biden called it xenophobic you know and just na- just called it what it was it was he was joe biden has been wrong at every turn of a pandemic every turn it showed when he was vice president of the united states with barack obama and and to be honest with you there is a political article that that's come out since then that really need to be taken into consideration here of the understanding of how the administration actually handled the entire situation when you think about it when you think about it guys there there was H1N1 happened in 2008 and 2009. If you ever remember correctly, the H1N1 flu affected 60 million American people and claimed only 12,500 lives according to the Centers of Disease Control at that time, okay? Ron Klein, the Chief of Staff of the Vice President of the United States, has come out and said in the last year it was purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the greatest smash casualty events in American history, looking back at the H1N1. It had nothing to do with us doing anything right, it had to do with luck. They don't have to go back a year from now. They just go back into 2008 and 2009, 2010. He failed. Because if you look at the response by the Biden administration, Biden camp of the White House, he came out and said originally when H1N1 came out, he actually said, ladies and gentlemen, that I wouldn't go anywhere in confined places right now. It's not going to Mexico. It's not going that's going to Mexico. He just wouldn't want to travel in confined spaces. Obviously, the airline industry accused Joe Biden of fear mongering. And you saw the administration uh, of Transmitary Secretary Ray LaHood or LaHood, and uh, Janet Napolitano and Deputy Secretary of State Jack Leo were basically on a cleanup act campaign after that was announced. And there was this it's a terrible fighting within the administration because Joe Biden was one of the guys that was fighting not really in a precautious manner, but there was a contradictory messaging coming out of the White House. There was vaccine shortfalls, there was PP, there's personal protection shortfalls, and just overall the H1N1 was a terrible pandemic. It was obviously different than what we're seeing now with COVID 19. COVID 19 obviously is hitting the elderly in the population differently it's hitting the younger population, right? We're obviously seeing that with the death counts between the ages of 50 to 80 years old with pre-existing conditions, a lot different than those within the younger demographics. H1N1 was the complete reverse. So let's bring that into tenfold here. The one big difference that I will candidly talk about is the difference between the private sector, the public sector. Being forced into one asset, not only for the better good, for for anything. other, It's not political gain. It's for the betterness of the American people. That's what it's truly all about, guys. What you saw with the President of the United States was the greatest mobilization of the private sector in the modern era. This isn't FDR, World War Two. Yes, the President did use... Uh, that particular act in question uh, a handful of times, but only in leverage to get them to act for the betterness for the better of the American people. There was a big problem ladies and gentlemen that you saw after this was the the stockpiles of the personal protection equipment and the ventilators, the cupboards the, the cabinets, the cupboards, everything were bare. They were left bare by the Obama administration. And you can see the difference. It's vastly different. When you saw Barack Obama make the speech about the H1N1, he didn't give you all the facts. Just like his wife, the former first lady, Michelle Obama, didn't give all the facts when she talked about kids in cages. She left out a little tidbit of information That her husband the former president of the united states barack obama built said confines that the president the current president 45 donald trump is now using so when you look at something when you watch a a convention guys i want you to sit there and think to yourself smoke and mirrors, or raw facts. Okay, the facts are what they are. Ladies and gentlemen, you saw that with the COVID-19. What you're seeing with the COVID-19, ladies and gentlemen, is that the, the, the goalposts are being continually moved like a game with the with Charlie Brown and the football. They keep moving. You have governors of liberal states keeping their economies locked down. When Republican governors like Bill Kemp, Ron DeSantis, is it Ron DeSantis? Yeah, it's Ron DeSantis. You got Governor Abbott in Texas. You have gov- you have governors across Republican conservative states getting shellacked in the media. What they what they haven't told you is in those media accounts of the COVID nineteen crisis is look at the reporting data coming out of the largest states in the country. California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas. Look at that. I want you guys to look at it because it's a staggering hysteria and reality. It is a scary situation. There is no question about it. It is a very, very deadly virus. Okay? There's no question about that. It's not just going to miraculously disappear like some think. No, it takes time. But you can't just formulate a hope and prayer method like Joe Biden is doing right now. Oh, it's, we're going we're gonna to listen to officials and I'm going to do this. Joe Biden, listen, Joe, Every we're doing all that right now. We're seeing the greatest mobilization known to humanity in the private sector to help out the American people. Operation Warp Speed. We're about to see a, seriously, guys, we're about to see a vaccine for a virus, a deadly virus, out to the market in less than seven months if tests go correctly. That is by far the fastest ever. And in Trump time, it's a little too slow. But in the modern era, it's perfectly fine. The next theme that Joe Biden talked about in his speech was character. It's scary. It's monumentally discerning, in a sense, where you have the vice president of the United States, or the former vice president of the United States, excuse me, talk about character. I guess he forgot what his son has done, profiteering off the former vice president's office. You know, zero-experience Hunter Biden raked in millions in equity deals, sketchy deals between China, Burisma. You remember this? You remember the clip? Plenty of people do. You you understand this? Quick pro quo, Joe. The nickname is not a fallacy. It is reality. He's on tape saying it. You talk about character Joe Biden. You literally strong-armed a prosecutor to drop a case that was going to hurt your son. Hmm. Really? Should I should we all play the tape again million times? We don't have to. You said it live on a hard uh, hard camera by the press in the United States. Fire the pro. You talked about the story. Fire the prosecutor, infecting your zero-experienced son in less than six hours, or you don't get billion dollars of tax our our taxpayer money. I guess someone forgot all that in the character conversations. Now, I will say, is the president of the United States a perfect man? It's not for me to judge. Is a good man upstairs? In his heart. and his conscience. Those three things together. It's not up to me. It's sure to hell not up to the voter on character. I don't want you to be a, a mafia mafioso. But ladies and gentlemen. What goes on behind closed doors with his family. With the Trump family. Is none of my business. It's no one's business. But I do know. From what we have seen. You know whose family is not out there. In tabloids you know whose family isn't being dragged through uh whose family is getting dragged through mud for new no no story of their own the first family the first family gets dragged through story after story remember that don jr got dragged into the whole russian collusion delusion we saw it it's scary it is beyond comprehension ladies and gentlemen that the character argument is being made at the presidency level, this isn't some hack Senate or House election. This is the office of the presidency of the United States. Hunter Biden didn't make an appearance on a campaign trail until last night during the introduction, which his daughter looked like she had more lip fillers than Kim Kardashian. Won't go there, but I digress. So, in reality, ladies and gentlemen, it has come, it is by far, the one of the worst things I've ever seen is the Democratic National Convention. The production value was awful. The speeches were hack. And then some stories came out at the very end of the night last night that made my maybe smile, really did because it affects the down-ballot races. And I think I can discuss this at a later time. It it was the campaign finance reports came out by the Federal Election Commission for both parties. And not the candidates, but the parties. Uh, Michelle yee Halee uh, from the Washington Compost reported last night on her Twitter page that uh, the RNC in July campaigned fifty five point three million dollars and the DNC the DNC not the candidate Joe Biden the DNC raised only sixteen point three million so let me just clarify this. We're talking about down ballot races and how this affects these conventions usually have prognosis of there's usually a bounce in polling and there's bounce in fundraising. We're seeing the almost the i. We're seeing the reverse for the DNC this week. We're seeing the reverse. We're seeing the bounce go to the president, when I mean, usually it's the other way around. So, money on hand for the RNC is one hundred nine million dollars, and the DNC entered August with only thirty three point two million dollars, with one point five million in debt. So, let's just think about this in a big scheme of things the Republicans may not always appear as coalitions in agreement on a lot of issues across the board but the silent majority is you cannot forget where we are you cannot forget who we are but one thing is remains the same is that the policies agenda of the 45th president of the United States is in stark contrast Of the Democratic candidate for the presidency. There's no doubt about that. What you're seeing now. And what you will see next week. Is you'll continually see the contrast. Across the board. The president is an optimist. He always spoke about. If you ever watch any of his videos online. Or if you read any of his books. You understand that the man talks about. Optimism. And mindset as a way because without seeing it, I'm not talking about in fiction, I'm talking about in reality. The greatest businessmen of all time use the role of really optimism and great thinking. It's a very important thing. It's a very important concept to understand that the most greatest minds in the world have a mindset of focus, drive, and determination that the world has never seen. We're seeing that with the 45th president. You're seeing that his poll numbers have sparked. He's closed the gap in a lot of states. And we'll see. I'll talk about this in my next podcast with the State of the Campaign 2020, which will come out hopefully later tonight or maybe tomorrow. And we need to talk about that because it really is a big issue. So... I appreciate you guys joining me for the Yankee Cowboy podcast. Remember to hear, hear me at all podcast platforms, anchor.fm. Also, you can also view me on stream occasionally when I do some racing from time to time on twitch.tv slash Two 27